What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. Yep. Wells Cast time. I don't know what time... Wells cast time is. Might be the morning. Might wake up, pour yourself a strong cup of joe, throw a croissant in the toaster, and say, you know what? It's time for podcasts. Maybe you're uh, late night, probably pretty wasted, cocked on a bottle of blackberry brandy, and you're like, you know what? Podcast time. I don't know. Maybe you're a middle of the day podcaster, or maybe you just stumbled upon this podcast and you're like, what the hell is this? Well, it's a podcast where uh, I talk to famous people and I find out where the hell they came from. So basically, that's that's basically it. So whatever time of the day it is for you, welcome in to the Wellscast. For me, it's like midday. What day of the week? No clue, because quarantine. So we're in a time flux. But I think it's in the middle of the week, but I could be wrong. I have no idea at all. Excited about today's show, I gotta be honest with you. Oh, dude, I got a new chair and it's too squeaky. Is it too squeaky? Oh, it's so cool, but it's way too squeaky. All right. Excited about today's show. We're going back to Nash. Going back to where I got my start. You know, it was a couple weeks ago we had Hunter Hayes in the show. And we're going to kind of stay in the same vein of that country music star. We'll be talking to a man who actually grew up in Louisiana, much like Hunter Hayes. Moved to Nashville around 2012, which I think is a little bit after Hunter Hayes, but close. A lot's changed for him since then, man. 2020 ACM Best New Male Artist of the Year nominee since moving to Music City. Signed a record deal with MCA Nashville and racking up over a billion streams of his debut album, Home State. The two in the country playing for fans and notching three consecutive number ones with the platinum certified single You Up, which is a song basically about a dude that's like, hey, if you ever dump your girl, gonna be hanging around. Also, take it from me, and most recently, Slow dance in a parking lot, which we've all done alone, very drunk, or maybe it's just me, whatever. He's one hell of a songwriter. He's got a brand new EP out now. Very excited to have on the Wells cast today, the man who the only thing better than his silky, sultry vocal tones is that beautiful beard of his. In just a couple moments, we're going to sit down and find out where the hell Jordan Davis came from. Stick around. You know what time it is. Wells cast time. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. 
And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Jordan Davis, that beard is looking mighty fine, my friend. Quarantine looks good on you, apparently. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude, it's been uh, that's been one less thing that I've seen. Everybody's going like the quarantine mustaches and stuff, and uh, I have I definitely haven't had to do it. I've been working on that for a little longer than just the quarantine. So yeah, it's been going good. Yeah, you got the everyone's a, an imposter to you. Everyone, this this is some yeah. bullshit. You're in like game seven of the Stanley Cup finals right now, though. Dude, this would be a killer like <laughs> playoff. Like, whenever the Preds had their big playoff run, yeah, I guess a couple of years ago, I was definitely fitting in in Nashville with the with the hockey playoff beard. I did the quarantine beard the for the first half of it that first month, and uh, unfortunately for me, I grow facial hair like a 14 year old Hispanic boy, so it didn't look good. <laughs> And uh, we had to shave that puppy off. But it's good to see you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the Wells cast. I do appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. Of course. Congratulations on this uh, on this self-titled EP dropping, man. Thank you, man. It's, I'm uh, I'm so excited to have these songs out. Uh, you know, to have a new project out. It's been yeah, over two years. It feels like 10 uh, since, you know, we've had like a full body of workout. But I am, man. It's it's. It's six songs I'm really proud of and, and happy they're out in the world. Is it a scary thing to drop music right now with these, with the times we're living in and the inability to tour behind it? I think with me, it's been, it has been just so long that like I wasn't, uh, I wasn't that nervous. I knew my fans like were long overdue for some new music. So yeah, that kind of like took away the, you know, the anxiety of it. But uh, it is, it is weird. You know, I definitely didn't think that. It would be as weird to like put this music out now because like now it's, you know, you don't have that. Like you said, there's no tour or anything. It's just you're just releasing music out there and hoping that people like it. And and there's and the, there's just this target that we're aiming for to hopefully get back on the road. Who knows when? But it, it's just a just a crazy time right now in, in music in general. Is the idea to come out with a long play later or are you just dropping the EP? Yeah, well, we're going to have a, a whole album probably in October. So this is just kind of just something that when we realized we were going to have, you know, when we saw touring was kind of up in the air, we kind of just sped this up and, and getting it out, which I'm glad we did because, yeah, I couldn't have gone another <laughs> couple months with, without, you know, no touring, no new music, nothing. I'd have felt like uh, I'd had to like remind myself, like, am I really doing music? Man? Like, is it something? <laughs> but yeah, we are going to come with a full project probably around October. What makes you most excited about this record in comparison to your past releases? I think just kind of the, the growth of it. You know, one of my favorite things is when I was fans of people to be able to see kind of their growth through their records. You know, I always point to Eric Church as one that like has, I feel like just evolved so much from those early records to where he's at now. And with me, you know, the last couple of years, some of these songs that I wrote on my first album were before I even I met my wife. Uh, you know, now, you know, I have a six month old daughter. I mean, just a totally different, you know, realm personally. And I don't know, it just, just, a, just, I think growth as a songwriter as well in there. And uh, so I'm hoping that, that, that people are kind of seeing, seeing me grow up a little bit. Lord knows I needed to. So. <laughs> 
But like, so the lag time on records coming out is long. Like I was reading some interview with Billie Eilish and she was like, I wrote that when I was 17. I'm completely, you know, she's like, well, now I'm 19. But like, yeah. you know, she's like, I just completely, it's a completely like different chapter of my life. Is this already like a past self of you, even though it's out now? It doesn't feel as long ago as like supposedly like some of the some of the songs off a of home state where i was just like goodness gracious like that's that that song feels which some of them were five six years old yeah like, you know especially now i wrote in 2013 2014 and then they just kind of stuck with you know each round of going in and cutting you know those songs just continued to make the cut and now they don't i don't feel so so distant from you know the, the church and the chevys or uh detours or cool anymore it still feels like it's it's still kind of me right now. I was looking at your numbers and they are absolutely bonkers. Over a billion spins or streams and whatever when you kind of compile it all together, which is yeah, it's just astronomical. As a guy who worked in radio for 12 years, to get that much traction is so hard to do. Is it one of those things of like, is that your new norm? Like that's what you expect to happen going forward is there a song that is going to have 171 million streams on this self-titled record i know man it's crazy <laughs> uh i you know i hope so yeah like because I, I am a fan of like i'm still to this day a fan of records like listening to entire projects so like you know of the and like you said dude the billion stream the that's like one of my favorite accomplishments i have because it is the whole thing it's the whole home state project you know, being streamed a billion times is pretty wild. It's not just singles. It's the Made That Ways and Leaving New Orleans and, and songs that we play now in shows. And it gets just the reaction, just as much a reaction as Slow Dance in a Parking Lot and Take It From Me. So, you know, and, and we put a lot of work into to the writing and, and, and just the, the whole flow of the project. So to see the whole project do well and not just a single song. It does, man. It just feels great. Well, I'm excited to have you on the show. I don't know if anyone told you kind of what the idea for this podcast is, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated with origin stories and how people got to where they are. Um, you know, obviously someone who has over a billion streams, a lot of people know who you are, but they might not know how you got to that point. A lot of people listen to this show, one just for encouragement or, you know, just a little bit of inspiration and whatever the hell they do. Yeah. So I was wondering if you have a, a couple minutes to talk about how Jordan Davis got to be, well, the man that I'm talking to right now. Where'd you come from? Yeah. Man, I, I was uh, born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana, to a very musical family. My uncle was a songwriter who actually still lives in Nashville and still writes songs. You know, my dad wrote around the house and my mom was piano at the church. And so like music was something that just from day one, like I couldn't get away from. I went to school and actually study environmental science, uh, which I'm doing nothing with now. But, you know, mom was big on us going to school, going and getting a degree. And uh, my brother actually was first to move to Nashville you know, he still writes song is a co-writer on Take It From Me and a lot of other, you know, a lot of new stuff coming out in October, a lot of stuff on the EP. But, you know, country music was just one of those things that I always say I was around it so much that I never realized how much I loved it, which is weird to say. But it's just like I never thought of it as as it being a potential career. Uh, it was just something that was a huge part of my life, something I loved. I wrote songs as like for fun or if I was going through something, I would write it. But it wasn't until I graduated from uh, LSU in 2012, got a job with a buddy of mine who had an environmental company in Baton Rouge. And I remember one day I, I was late to work. I kind of got in trouble and he calls me into his office and he said, look, man, like, you know, you're not in college anymore. This is, this is the real world. This is real life. Like you can't do that. Like, you know, you can't, you, you got to show up on time. But and he asked me, he's like, man, are you happy here? And I was just like, I mean, yeah, I, I like it. You know, it's, he's like, man, well, what do you love doing? Like, what are you passionate about? And I was like, man, I'm passionate about, you know, music, songwriting. That day he told me, he's like, well, you, you need to move to Nashville. Like, yeah. you need to go to Nashville. You need to chase being a songwriter. You know, at the time I was single. Um, you know, I 
didn't have any money, which was great because like, you know, it wasn't like I had to break this lease. I was month to month at this spot I was at. And, uh, man, within three months, within three weeks, I was, had my apartment packed up en route to Nashville. So very long story short, but, uh, but yeah, it was just kind of on a whim one day. I don't, I want to say whim, but it was just, it took him kind of giving me that kick of like, Hey man, if you're not super happy here, you're young, go do what you're passionate about. Go, go find something you love. That was songwriting. And I knew Nashville's, it was where I needed to be. Did you just turn a, a story about you getting fired into an inspirational follow your dream story? <laughs> I wish I, 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 I wasn't, it wasn't a firing. It was, it was definitely a scolding, but uh, it, it was definitely, I, I, it wasn't a firing, but yeah, somewhat. Well, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> You know, I lived in Nashville for 12 years. I did radio there and yeah. all my friends were musicians and there's nothing more beautiful and more true than the saying that all writers uh, and musicians are beautifully delusional. And I love that you were able to make that story. You know, he just told me to follow my dreams. Well, I heard you got fired, but hey, man, <laughs> however you want to cut it up. So... <laughs> I, I, I can't, so you, you, long story short of me, we're going to long story long it. So you grew up in Shreveport in Louisiana. You kind of hinted at like, I didn't think that I was going to fall in love with country, which makes me assume that growing up, you were into other types of music. Was it Cajun? Was it blues? Was it folk? Was it, what was it that you were really drawn to back then? Man, I was, my dad was a massive fan of songwriters. So like, dude, I was heavy into Jim Croce, John Prine, Don Williams, Chris Christopherson, like all those, you know, some of the greatest songwriters to ever live. But, you know, he was in control of the music when we were in the car. So we didn't have a choice. So we listened to whatever dad wanted to listen to. And so very early on, it was those guys, which I'm, I'm happy for because, I mean, it was such a strong base of, of some of the best, best songwriters to ever live. You know, from early on, I'm getting a, a strong dose of that to where, you know, then I grow up and I get an iPod. I'm from that generation. So I have thousands of songs at the spin of my, on my little iPod Nano, you know, and I could listen to whatever I want to listen to. And I did, man, I fell in love with like R&B, like I'm a huge Usher, I'm still a huge Usher fan. Uh, Southern rock and roll, like the Black Crows and huge rap guy coming from Louisiana. Little Wayne was like my, my dude. And, uh, and so like, but, but it was just this huge melting pot of, of just so many different influences and in, in genres that, that I just enjoyed listening to. I didn't think of it as like, Oh, I'm a country guy or I'm just a, Oh, I, I like rap music or R and B music. Um, it was just like, man, if I liked it, uh, I listened to it and I'm still that way. You know, today I feel like if if, if the music's good, um, I don't necessarily look at the genre of it. I'm I'm just like, man, that that song moves me. I feel something when I hear it, so I'm gonna keep listening to it. It's funny we had Hunter Hayes on a couple weeks ago, and he's also a Louisiana boy, and yeah. it makes total sense to me because, I mean, Louisiana just is a melting pot. It's just so many different types of arts and culture and people and food, you know, like everything there is a million different things. And so it makes sense that a lot of the musicians there are, are obviously huge Cajun or blues or folk or, you know, bluegrass or, or country. Like it just kind of all is everything. So yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense to me. Um, you went to LSU. I went to Ole Miss. So, I mean, you know, it's fine, whatever. Uh, Congratulations hey, had, this year. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've had some good times in Oxford, man. Goodness gracious. Yeah, I've had some good times in Baton Rouge. If I could go back and, and do college over again, I would have gone to Ole Miss. Wow. Uh, I'm being dead serious. My brother tells this story. He says, he's two years older than I am. He went on like a visit to Ole Miss. And so he gets over there and he's there for the weekend. And he said, he goes and he sits down in the Dean in some Dean of, I think he was looking at some engineering at them. And he said, the Dean told him, he goes, uh, Jacob, if you are coming here because you've heard Ole Miss has the prettiest co-eds in all the country, that is true. And you will fail out. 
I think the dean told me the exact same thing, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it just took me five years to graduate, so it's fine. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, you grow up in this kind of like almost like Partridge Family Louisiana version style house where everyone is a musician, everyone is talented. Like, are you all gathering around uh, like on the weekends and whipping out guitars and trading licks and stuff? Like, how did that work growing up? You know, my dad would play songs at night. He'd play like old Johnny Cash songs or he would uh, he would make up these just kind of dumb songs for us to like go to bed or like my sister would, you know, say something and he would kind of just riff on this you know, whatever. Uh, my mom was always practicing piano. Uh, so we would sit around and sing with her, but it, it was just kind of like, it, it was, there was always music being played. So my mom always had something playing so that whenever I would go to a friend's house and there wouldn't be music, I would be like, man, do y'all not like listen to music like all the time? And I'd be like, yeah. and I'd be like y'all really, that's weird. Like, why don't y'all do that? But it was, man, it was just, uh, just something that was always, it was just always there. You get into Louisiana State University, you go to Baton Rouge from Shreveport, which isn't too far of a drive, right? No, it's like three, three hours, three and a half. You're studying this major, you know, my parents did the exact same thing. It was like, you know, you, you need to study something so you can go have a job after, you know, that's what we're paying for school for. Are you like paying the bills by like bartending and like playing music in college? Dude, never, never had like a music gig, never played, never, you know, uh, I've, I bartended at Fleming's you know, Steakhouse, but never, never got into playing live until I moved to Nashville. What? Um, you know, I, I would do, I was, and this is no lie. I was writing songs, but, but see, when I moved to Nashville, it wasn't for the record deal. It wasn't for touring. It wasn't for all that. It was just to write songs. I wanted people to record my songs. Like, you know, my uncle was a songwriter. I wanted to be a songwriter just like my uncle. So you um, just wanted a publishing deal. That's it. Like, uh, that was my goal. Like, my end-all, be-all goal when I moved to town. And I signed my record deal with only playing one full band show. People don't, like, I promise you, hand on the good Lord's book. <laughs> one time I had, I had played with a full band in Alabama, and I came back and... Uh, and was offered a record deal. They knew I was green. They knew that like it wasn't like I like blew them away, but they were willing to uh, willing to kind of kind of learn with me. And uh, but yeah, it was uh, I was just I never like that. That was just something that a I kind of had this backwards look on Nashville as I thought like you moved to town, you wrote songs. If somebody heard your songs and wanted to make a record on you. That's how you got the record deal. So when I was when I first came to Nashville, and people were asking me like, "Hey, are you doing the artist thing?" I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, uh, "I don't know. I'm just a songwriter." And they'd be like, "Oh, okay." So I kept getting overlooked on like all these publishing deals. I wasn't getting a publishing deal. I remember one time I went in to talk to this kind of the guy that when I moved to town, he was kind of like that mentor for me. Uh, then I kind of told him one day, like, kind of frustrated. I was like, man, I see all these other people getting publishing deals and I'm getting overlooked. And like, I feel like I'm writing better songs than them. And he told me, he's like, yeah, but they want to be artists. They're, they want record deals. And I was like, yeah, everybody keeps asking me that. And like, what, what does that mean? And he's like, you know, they want to, they want a record deal. They want to put singles out, want a tour, but da, da, da. And it's like, if I say I want to do that, will it help me get a publishing deal? And he was like, probably. <laughs> so from that day on, I was like, hey, man, I'm an artist. Dude. Let's do it. <laughs> but yeah, that's 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 how uh, that was my first. That was the first time I considered myself an artist. I'm blown away that your boss in Louisiana was like, yeah, you should go to Nashville. Even though you've never played a live gig, you should totally do that. This seems like a well, good like, idea. I had told him, you know, we I'd played like songs around, like we were, you know, hanging out. Like, so if we had like a fire, or, like had people over one night, um, I would play the guitar, I'd play some songs that I was working on. Um, but like, and, and I told them all like, Hey, I don't want to do, you know, I don't want all that. I just want to write songs, get them pitched. He had heard me play and sing. So 
it wasn't like a, like a new thing that he was just like, oh yeah, man, go up there and figure it out. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it definitely was. It, it was definitely a, a backwards way of of getting a record deal. Do you think that that mentality, in a weird way, was able to help you in your career because you not to like do like a bachelor reference, but it's such like a you're there for the right reasons thing. Like you're there for like you want to create music, you love the craft and the creation of it, and great if I get to tour behind it, but really I want to create something and people seeing the like authenticity of the musician in you. Yeah, no, I dude, 100%. Like, I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. I think that's why early on I was still right. I was writing songs the way I wanted to write them, singing about stuff that I wanted to sing about. I was an artist. I was going for that. I just didn't know it at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think it took a little while to... I guess, kind of catch up to what I really needed to be doing. I say that I fell into it backwards. I say that I I never knew I wanted to do it. It was just one of those things where I knew that I wanted to make music that meant something to me. And I was hoping that in some way somebody else would hear it and maybe they would get it. And that would kind of allow me to play shows like acoustic shows or writer's rounds or do like these cool little things that I loved doing at the time. It kind of put this chip on my shoulder when everybody was kind of getting, I was getting overlooked and I was feeling that I was doing things just as good, if not better than some of the other, you know, people and that were getting these deals. So it just kind of made me dig my heels in more and be like, you know what, man, this is how I'm, this is how I want to write songs. This is what I, I'm either going to make it or I'm I'm either going to make it or I'm not, but like, I'm not changing the way I write. I'm not doing anything different than what I moved to town to do. And that's really when it, when everything switched i got introduced to universal by a pitch meeting for i can't even remember who it was but there was two songs and one of the songs was slow dance in a parking lot that was getting pitched the artist passed on all the songs but i got an email from a and r at universal saying like hey we want to have a meeting with you and i was still like why do they want to they passed on my songs why do they want to meet with me and that was the first meeting where they're like hey we're a fan of what you do we're a fan of the way you write songs and your voice can we talk to you about coming in and possibly signing a deal and at first i was like i was scared to death you know going back to talking to you know i had a bunch of great people around me that were just like look man this is the way you write music this is why you came to town and this is going to allow you to keep doing that so go take the meeting. Go see what they have to say. And and I'm thank God I did. So was this meeting for the publishing deal or for the record deal? This was for the record deal. Okay. It was within three months of the publishing deal and the record deal. I mean, it, it was like, boom. I'd gone, I'd four years, four and a half years, nothing. And then almost like just overnight, it was that fast with both. And what were you doing in those four years while you were trying to obtain those deals? Oh man, I was, I, I found this, this bar out in Donaldson, out west of town, east of town called Ellendale's. It's not there anymore, but it was right by the airport. I was the like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and I would work a double on Sunday. I got to make my schedule. It was just me and this other bartender. It's a small family owned spot. It was awesome because if I had a big right coming up that week, I could just swap with the other bartender uh, and I could have that whole day to write and not have to worry about going into work. But, uh, but yeah, man, it was four years of what I would wake up. I would try to write from, you know, 10 to two, 10 to three, somewhere in there. And then I would head out to the, to the bar for work at three thirty four. Uh work till about one and just kind of, Wash, rinse, repeat uh, for the first almost five years of, of being in town. Even when I signed my publishing deal, I was still, uh, spoiler alert, publishing deals don't pay a ton of money, but uh, <laughs> I still kind of had that gig for a little bit uh, even after I signed my, my first publishing deal. All right, so you're slinging drinks, you're writing and co-writing in your off time. Are you going around and playing like losers and bluebird are you are you doing that kind of whole thing writers in the round listening room that kind of stuff i was doing like listening room i'd got to play bluebird not long after signing my publishing deal but yeah it was mostly just like rounds in town you, you remember taps and tapas i guess it's yeah. just tap over in Belcourt. yeah that was like my first spot i was playing like around at uh so just kind of anywhere in town that like my buddy would call me 
you know, I'd have a friend call me and say, like, hey, dude, I had a spot open up at a round. Can you come over here and play three, four songs? Yeah. And then whenever it got time to kind of start doing the, the band thing, uh, I was too nervous to play in town. So I would book these, like, no-name bars in North Alabama or Mississippi, and I would go down there and play for, like, 100 bucks. you know, spend 600 bucks getting my band and everybody <laughs> down there. But, like, I knew I had to get better at it. I was like, dude, I know I look so uncomfortable on stage. So that was the early on live music route. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. This might be wrong, but did I read something of like the way you got signed was you were at some party and you played a song and you were too drunk. So you didn't like yeah. kind of kill it. Can you tell that story? Yeah, I was out. All right, so we had just the detours. I was writing. This is about the time we wrote detours off the EP. My buddy Dave Turnbull has a, has a spot east of town over off this river this river so we went over there and we were fishing all day you know i was looking for a publishing deal he was signed to a company called olay at the time and when i was out there dave told me he said he's like, he asked me he's like hey man have you signed a publishing deal yet and i was like no nah, man i'm still you know looking and he's like well dude my publisher's coming out here today so you should you know talk to him see if you can get a meeting i had a good buzz going on at that time and i was like well dang man i wish i would have known that like you know because if we have a fire tonight, we're probably going to start playing guitar. Blah, 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 blah. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. So we <laughs> build a fire. We're hanging out. And Dave's like, hey, Ben, you know, who ended up with the guy that first signed me. He's like, hey, man, this is uh, my buddy Jordan. He just moved to town. Uh, he's still looking for a publishing deal. Jordan, play some songs. So they hand me the guitar, and I am just tanked and, like, can't <laughs> remember anything. Start butchering my songs. And, dude, I felt terrible. And even Dave kind of felt bad. He's like, man, I should have thought about that, you know, because we were hanging out, fishing, having beer all day. And the next morning, I'm like driving into town and my brother is kind of beating me up on it. He's like, dude, you had a chance last night to like play some songs. And he's like, dude, you blew it. <laughs> and uh, but luckily, Ben sent me an email. He's like, hey, man, you know, I, I realized the other night it was um, it was kind of a weird situation. So. That like two days after that, he had me into his office, and that's how I got that meeting by screwing those songs up so bad. And it, it, it did it led to my first publishing deal. Oh god, that would give me so much anxiety. That Dude, I don't, I know. I always, every time I tell that story, I, I bet you there's like, <laughs> don't follow that route. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> well, because also like 
I'm a I'm a terrible singer and a like a serviceable guitar player, but I've been to that that party so many times and been handed the guitar so many times and got like halfway through go. Blackbird. I'm like, I remember the lyrics, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. It's a scary it's a it was a I like I didn't sleep at all that night. I remember just being like, dude. And because I mean, like I said, I was you know, four years into town. So like every meeting. I was putting so much pressure on myself, you know, to like, dude, you gotta, you gotta make this work. You gotta make this work to where I beat myself up so much because I mean, it was at that time where I was kind of like, Hey, I'd put a two year kind of limit on me moving to town. Cause I moved to town later, you know, I was 26, 27. And, uh, and I was just like, and then here I am four years and I had another opportunity. I kind of blew it. I was almost to the point, man, where I was like, dude, do I need to go back to Louisiana and get a job and call my buddy up that, you know, and I'll be like, Hey man, didn't work out. You got a job. Open. <laughs> I burned four years of my life. Cause you suggested this dude. I need yeah. another job. <laughs> Why don't you just fire me and like, <laughs> let me stay in better. <laughs> you have a lot of great songs, but I think, I think singles you up is, is my favorite one just because I'm engaged now, but it's a song that a lot of guys can relate to. It's like, Hey man, if this ever goes to shit, yeah. uh, I'm going to be here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Man. That's a, that's exactly what that is. Where did the song come from? I wrote that with Stephen Dale Jones and Justin Ebach and Justin had just gotten engaged. And he said that a friend of his, they were somewhere in Midtown. I thought that like losers or Red Door somewhere. And one of them said, Hey, you were smart to never single her up. And Justin put it in his phone. And so we're sitting there in a room that day. And Justin said that. He's like, man, is there anything to like, um, you're smart to never single her up? And I was like, that's kind of cool. Like, it sounds cool. I've never heard it put like that. So we start writing this song about having this amazing girl that you never want to single her up. And we got about halfway through, about an hour into writing that. And I was like, guys, this is boring, man. Like, this is like, I don't think this is the way we need to do it. And I was like, but if we switched it, because... I don't know about y'all, but I've been in a situation where I've seen a girl that was taken, but I've always thought to myself, like, dude, I would be such a better boyfriend than the one she has. <laughs> and both both Justin and Stephen Dare were like, dude, me too, man. Like, I've been there. <laughs> and, like, immediately, like, flipped it, and the song, like, came within an hour. I always say that. It's like, man, I, I can remember so many times in college just being like, God, man, if that girl wasn't dating that clown – I would be such a better boyfriend. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, that that's one of my, still one of my favorite songs to play out loud. You're married now. Yeah. Does your wife like to hear that song be played? Is that she a weird thing? She doesn't, she doesn't mind singles you up. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a few other ones that, <laughs> like, that she's not too, too big on. Uh, take it from me being one of them. That's about, you know, an ex. And then, uh, also, like going around is another one that she's not crazy about because that's about another, another girl. So yeah, but she, she doesn't mind singles you up at all. Singles you up is a huge song, so she's like, well, hey, as long as it keeps getting played. Yeah, <laughs> that that one paid for the West Wing of the of yeah. the house. <laughs> yeah, that one that one uh, feeds her Amazon. Habit, yeah. So <laughs> hey, do you remember the first time you heard yourself on the radio? I do, and like it was yesterday. I was in Houston, Texas. We were in a Sprouts parking lot, and and I was down there with my my radio rep. We were sitting out there, and I remember thinking this was like one of my first first weekends out with her, and she's awesome. She's one of my favorite people in the world. But we were sitting in this parking lot waiting to go somewhere because she knew it was coming up, and I remember thinking like, why don't we just go? Like we could, I could see the house that we were going to. I was like why don't we just go over there and like walk in? She's like, Oh, we're not supposed to be there till five. And I was like, that's like four minutes. Like, why don't we we head that way? And sure enough, it came on after before he, before he cheats uh, by Carrie Underwood. So like Carrie Underwood's like wrapping up the DJ comes on, he starts talking. And then I hear that first lick opening lick to singles you up. And I remember just being like, Whoa, what is that? And she's filming the whole time. And then it breaks into my song, and dude, I lose it. I, I ended up saying a bunch of bad words, so we couldn't post it because <laughs> my mom killed me. But uh, she's Southern Baptist as it gets, man. She, she probably thinks I, I have a kid. She probably thinks I'm, I'm, I still haven't, you know, touched anybody. But like, <laughs> she's like, 
super son of badness. So I dropped a I dropped a few bad words that I couldn't use. But man, it was, dude. You never forget that that first time, especially like moving to town and like that being just such a, a goal of mine. Uh, that one sticks with you for for a long time. How do your parents feel about your success now? Were they like that was an inevitability, or are they blown away? Where how do they take it? I think they're just as probably just as shocked as I was that I'm where I'm at, you know, just because I'm, you know, like you said, man, I never, you know, I never did the show thing. So it's like when they come and see me now, you know, when I I was out on tour with Old Dominion or Rascal Flats and we're playing these huge, you know, either hockey arenas or these huge amphitheaters, uh, you know, we're opening up for these iconic bands like the Flats. Uh, I think it's just, it's just crazy for them to see that and, and be like, like, where did this come from? They're super surprised, but super happy and have been super supportive of just the move to Nashville in general. You know, after moving to town, I've realized that that wasn't always the case with, you know, people's parents. And because, I mean, it is, man, it's a tough business. Like, and, um, and, you know, no parent wants to see their, their kid embark on something that, that most of the time doesn't work out the way that they, they kind of see it. But man, my, my parents are great. And, have been nothing but supportive for me and and Jacob, and it's been awesome. You're a songwriter at heart, which is evident in like how well your songs are doing. But you, you know, you went to this town to have other people cut your songs. Who would you love to have play one of your songs that hasn't yet? Oh man, if you were to call me and tell me I got like a Eric Church is cutting one of your songs, I would be like, holy smokes, dude! I'm a massive Brad Paisley fan. That's why, like this thing, when the pandemic hit. We were slated to go out on tour with them this summer, and that had to go away. And and you know, I, I don't think it's going to work out to get back out with them next year. So, um, you know, that's like that was that was kind of heartbreaking. His mud on the tire record is one of one of my favorite records of all time. And uh, so, yeah, like a like a church or Paisley like singing one of my songs would be be pretty wild. Be pretty full circle. What songwriters would you love to cover on one of your records? Tom Douglas. Casey Bethard, and it's crazy, and, and I'm sure you've probably heard a lot of them too, but there's so many songs in town that like have never been released, have never been recorded, that all there is is a demo, and it's you know some of the best songs that have ever been written. And I feel like Casey and Tom are two that just have this Rolodex of uncut songs that are amazing. I was actually talking this morning, I, I wrote a song with Hillary Lindsay and Jesse Frazier that's on this EP, and Hillary's singing on the track, and she just so her voice is just so amazing that I want to just be like Hillary, go and get twelve demos, and just record them and just put them out. Like it, just pick the first twelve you see, and I guarantee it's like it would end up being like a Grammy award winning record. Yeah. But uh, there's just so many talented writers in town, and so many amazing songs that I hope get heard. But unfortunately, the Sad thing is, probably a lot of them won't. But uh, yeah, my two favorites, Casey Better and Tom Douglas. The new EP, self-titled Jordan Davis, is out now. Almost Maybes has been, the single that was released has been out for a good bit. If people are only familiar with that first single, what can they expect from the rest of the record? Man, I'm all about, you know, even with Home State, like, the balance is such a big, it's such a big thing with me, with my albums. You know, I have an amazing producer in Paul Giovanni, and we worked really hard at, at having those songs that feel good and that are, that are fun to play live because that's a huge thing of what we do. So you have the songs like Singles You Up, Almost Maybes, Take It From Me, but uh, but also the balance of, of the songwriting with Detours and Church in a Chevy and Leaving New Orleans. You know, I hope that it hits you as, as and I hope it there's as much heart in it as, as home state. Uh, but it's just me, you know, this next chapter and this next kind of growth of me as, as a person, you know, as a new dad, as a husband, um, just a little, a little more, a little deeper look into, into me as a person and growth as an artist as well. I want to be respectful of your time. So I want to let you go, but before I do, can we do some rapid fire questions with Jordan Davis? Dude, absolutely. All right, here we go. First one, favorite pizza topping. Uh, sausage. Biggest mentor. Ooh, I'm gonna go my grandfather's. Both of them. What What were they to you? Godly men, hard workers, blue collar dudes. They were everything, man. Just uh, I love both of those guys a lot. Who was your first kiss? Girl named Alicia in eighth grade. 
That's a late. That's a late first kiss, too, man. <laughs> that's pretty. That's pretty good, I think. Yeah, I guess so. That's my first real. You don't like. You don't count those like pecs in like yeah. fifth grade. You playing like spin the bottle and stuff. So yeah, Alicia. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on her last name. That's probably good. Probably yeah. We'll just go with Alicia. <laughs> Alicia's gonna be listening to this, being like that motherfucker doesn't. Know. <laughs> no, dude. <laughs> what was uh, the first concert you ever went to? John Anderson back in Shreveport at the Strand Theater. Yep, John Anderson. I guess it was probably around early nineties, yep. ninety four, something like that. What was your first car? Nineteen sixty nine Jeep Wagoneer. Oh, the Wagoneer. Did it have the uh, fake wood molding on the side? So they started making that in seventy. Yeah. So I was the last sixty nine was the last year that it was just aluminum or whatever metal siding all the way around, but brakes were iffy at best. <laughs> And then there's a leak in the gas tank so that whenever I got to school, I smelled like gasoline for the entire time. <laughs> like it, it was terrible. <laughs> horrible car. Cool, but horrible car. Yeah. God, and Alicia still kissed you, man. That's amazing. <laughs> Who would you call to bail you out of jail? Let's see. There'd be a lot of, there'd, there'd be a lot of people. So I would call my brother. He would bail me out. Yeah. But. If it were to be like a like somebody like a famous person to bail me out of jail, I would call Jake Owen. Jake would get me out of jail. <laughs> did you and not ask a lot of questions? Because he'd probably be like, oh dude, I've been there, dude. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any posters on your wall growing up? Uh I did. We had uh I mean, you know, huge LSU fans. So we had like Kevin Falk, you know, all those like early LSU guys, Josh Booty, Saints fans too. So we had like Bobby Abear, the Cajun Cannon. Yeah, just like Louisiana sports guys. And do you have a nickname? I do. Stick figure. Why stick it's figure? Shortened, it's been shortened to stick now. So like, I'm a pretty tall guy. In my freshman year of high school, I was probably six three, a buck forty, and but I was I was pretty good at baseball. So the first practice, I was like the skinniest cat out there, and there's a senior that when we were running the bases. Apparently, when I was running, he was like, who's that skinny cat? And they were like, oh, I don't know, some freshman. And they were like, dude, he looks like a stick figure out there <laughs> on the bases. And, dude, it just stuck. <laughs> and dude, I still – people still in Shreveport, like, it, it got it got so well-received that my mom still calls me stick. <laughs> Pretty wild. I like that mom leaned into it, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jordan Davis, thank you so much for being on the Wells cast. Uh, the new uh, self-titled EP is out now. Go listen to it wherever you listen to music. If people want to support you and your music, where should they go get your music? Geez, I don't know. Like I, I say now, like just stream it. I know everybody's moving to a streaming world. But yeah, I mean, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, you know, if you want to buy it on youtube or on itunes you know have at it uh <laughs> well you know come to a show i mean that's that's like my 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 thing is like you know obviously listening to music but like we have a blast man like we're we i feel like i've got one of the best bands in the business <clears throat> and uh, we put a lot of work into our show so uh, yeah if you want to support us come out to a show i promise you it, it's gonna be a good time buy the record at the merch table with a t-shirt right yeah, there you go. <laughs> Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to talk about or promote? I think that's it, man, dude. I appreciate you having me on, dude, and talking about the EP, dude. Uh, I'm a fan, man, so love what you're doing, and, and hopefully we get to get to talk again soon. Yeah, hopefully at some point I'll be back in Nashville. Thank you so much, man. Your story is crazy and funny and super inspiring, and yeah, everyone out there, go check out the new EP, self-titled Jordan Davis. Dude, thanks so much, man. Awesome, Wells. Appreciate it, brother. All right, later, man. Stay safe out there. You too, man. Bye. Bye. I love that. I love that. I mean, there are the people who are famous who are hell-bent and determined to be famous. And then there are people out there that all they set out to do was make something great, make something beautiful. That's what he, that's all he wanted, right? He was a songwriter. He wanted to be a songwriter. He wanted to write beautiful music that other people could go on tour with and put on their records. And then someone was like, this guy's 6'3", good looking, big beard. He needs to be a front man. And I feel terrible for doing the thing that I did, which was like the bachelor wrong reasons thing or right reasons thing. But it's true. 
he got into the music industry for the right reasons because he wanted to make good music. It wasn't about having a tour bus and groupies and giant mansion in Beverly Hills. Anyway, super cool dude. Really, really interesting story. Again, the new single is Almost Maybes. The new EP is self-titled Jordan Davis. No wonder this one just killed. Oh man, we've all been there, right? <laughs> that was a cool episode. Uh, if you liked it, go uh, rate and review on the app and play stores, all that stuff. And yeah, if you want to hit me up, you can. Wellscast at iHeartRadio.com. You can also just tweet to me at Wells Adams or Instagram DM me. If there are people that you'd like to hear on the show, yeah, tweet to us about it. And we'll see if we can line it up. And so that's that. All right. I'm gonna um I'm gonna go have a beer now. All right. I'm gonna go sit around a bonfire and play the guitar, drink a bunch of whiskey and butcher some songs, and who knows? Maybe I'll get signed to a deal. Later. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.